Hello and welcome back to episode 9. Today on the show we host Jaron Mastford. Jaron is a Kansas State alum where he also played football as a tight end, earning himself the opportunity to advance to the NFL where he played for organizations like the Miami Dolphins and Oakland Raiders. Jaron is also the author of his own book, Stand Tall, How to Lead from Within and Create a High Performance Team. You can find that book on Amazon. Jaron today is running the gym that he has founded called Apex, which is all about recovering from injury and championing your body. Apex is also the sponsor of this episode. So thank you, Apex. Look Jaron up. That gym is located in Tigard, Oregon. If you want to recover from injury and or work to champion your body. This has been one of my favorite conversations thus far, so please sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Capture It, the podcast. I'm honored to have a guest that's uh, been a good friend of mine over the last uh, few years. I would say, actually, probably the last 10 years. Uh, Jaron Mastrud is on the show. I coach with his dad I- in football um, and got to know him through uh, through that business, the business of football. Um, and then he's actually uh, helped out with uh, my leadership stuff um, as we've gone through and, and building young people, and he's been an intricate part of that. Jaron is a Kansas State alumni. He played professional football, the NFL, uh, with the Dolphins and the Raiders. Jaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you too. And as we jump into it, I always like to give people a little bit of a time to just tell us a little bit about you, uh, your journey. Um, you know, you've played in the NFL, but now you're running a, an, an awesome gym called Apex, uh, which has some, some philosophy built into it and, and getting people recovered and, and championing their body. And we'll, we'll jump into that too. But Jaron, give, give the listeners out there a little bit of background. Where do you come from? What gets you to this point today? You know, I would love to jump right into that, but I just realized I didn't check my teeth. I enjoyed some awesome Traeger chicken wings and just needed to make sure I didn't have anything in Oh, here. your teeth look great. And <laughs> Jaron has been part of the Traeger family um, for a while now, and I'm starting to think you're getting pretty good at it because when you first got your grill, right, because our family uh, was the founders of the wood pellet grill, when you yeah. first got that grill, we were texting almost nonstop, hey, I'm cooking some chicken, hey, I'm doing some <laughs> salmon, hey, I'm getting this dialed up. And, and so over time, uh, that communication has gotten less and less. So I'm starting to think you've gotten pretty darn good at, at the grill. Yeah, I like the recipe I've come up with for these wings. Um, my sister was in the Peace Corps in Namibia and has the seasoning from there that has produced some killer wings that have uh, gotten some great reviews lately from when I've had people over. So Nice. So your recipe uh, is, is global. you got a global recipe yeah. put together. That's awesome. I like to think. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm but, getting uh, hungry, so uh, we'll, have to, we'll, have to, we'll have to table that, and then uh, i got to try those wings out. Yeah, no doubt. Well, now that I know I don't have anything stuck in my teeth still, a little bit about me coming up from my story and all. We uh, were originally from Roseburg. I was born in Roseburg and then moved on up to Beaverton, entering middle school, which was a little bit of a culture shock for me, being from a very rural area um, and coming up here. And, you know, I was kind of one of the bigger fish in a small pond athletically. I was always a standout and all the sports I played, which was football, baseball, and basketball. Uh, so coming up here and being introduced to more people, uh, more cars, more traffic, you know, a lot of things I'd never seen before in Roseburg, along with a lot 
more talent in all sports uh, was a big jump for me. But I was, you know, thankful I went through that experience. That's something I always share, even though most people are like, well, you played in the NFL and did all these things. You know, I like to address that moment because I think it really helped prepare me for those moments later on when I was met with adverse circumstances, new environments, and tough competition. So uh, moving up here, went to Southridge, uh, kept battling through a few different injuries, um, kept my career on track. Uh, I was able to earn both academic and athletic scholarships, but ultimately took the full ride for football to Kansas State, uh, where I went on to make a change in position from defensive end and quarterback uh, on over to tight end, which was something I always wanted to do, but still it was a big change, not just, you know, going to a state I'd never been to, uh, going to a place where I knew nobody at all, except the coaches that recruited me, uh, but playing a different position for the first time. So a lot of fun changes that I went through. Uh, and I'm really glad that, you know, I went through all that and then, you know, dealt with more injuries, uh, more setbacks, especially at the end of my senior year, going through a stress fracture surgery right before I was supposed to be headed off to train for the NFL combine. You know, and again, something that was very frustrating at the moment and what I thought would be devastating. Um, again, really glad as a person that I went through something like that because it's really helped prepare me uh, for this current moment and other moments I know that I'll face throughout my life of having to deal with tough times, things that kind of get thrown your way that you weren't expecting and how are you going to work through them? Because you can sit here and sulk or you can do something about it. So, you know, going through that was, wasn't pleasant, but pushed through it got through the NFL and, uh, you know, I went to Tampa Bay to start, went on to, you know, got cut at the end of training camp, went to New England for a day, got cut again, and then went on down to Miami for three years and on out to Oakland for a year, was able to start and enjoy a lot of, you know, fun playing time and playing experiences in the black hole before they've now moved off to Las Vegas. After that fourth year in the NFL, I started my business here to you know, kind of take advantage of the degree I'd earned in business in college, as well as, you know, my passion for helping people and helping people overcome injuries, especially in tough moments, like I've said that I dealt with. And, you know, just wanted people have have something there for athletes as well as active people that they could, hey, I could be understood as someone that wants more out of life. I want to be active. I want to enjoy these things. I don't want to deal with these setbacks. So, real passionate about doing all that. And I'm glad I got that started. And, you know, after my playing days came to a conclusion, I've loved being a part of this full time and helping grow it in all different directions. Right. Well, and those playing days can't last forever, you know, so, uh, Hey, well, and you bring up something that, that is kind of just still sitting there in my mind is, is your background has kind of pushed you through your, your entire, you know, path. How much, how important has where you started and, and the background and remembering the lessons that you have learned and the people that have supported you over the years, how much has that kind of kept pushing you through your journey? You know, a lot, a lot of it, you know, and I know everyone is kind of subject to wherever they start off at. It's not your choice necessarily. So, uh, you know, like I said, I started off in Roseburg and then came on up to Beaverton and you know, that was just one experience that I went through the move itself, uh, just working with different people, being accustomed to working with people that have different thought processes than you, may look different than you, communicate differently than you. Uh, at each point throughout my journey, you know, coming from Roseburg to Beaverton, that was a change in personality types, being around different types of people that I hadn't been around before, communicating, working with them together in tight-knit environments, which I know people probably sitting there like, well, you're talking about middle school sports. Well, 
at the time, that was my world, and that's all I knew. Those are keystones, right, that we hold on to, and mm-hmm. who cares if you learned it in middle school? It's been something that yeah. has kind of paved, helped pave the path and continues to pay those benefits through life. So there's a couple yeah. things that when I think about you, uh, well, there's plenty of great things about you, but there's two things that kind of stick out in my head when I think of Jaron Mastered. Um, number one is, you know, and you've written a book. Um, the book is called Stand Tall. Um, you know, how to lead from within. Um, and I, I've read your book and I love it. And one thing that you've hold true and, and, and it came up in the book and I've seen you on the news and you bring it up there. You've talked in my classroom to my leadership kids and you bring it up there is that you always call attention back to your parents, uh, your mom and your dad. And I love how you talk about like I got my toughness, toughness from my dad and my kindness from my mom, and I'm still working on that, <laughs> right? Uh, tell me a little bit about yeah. that relationship, because I, I have a big relationship with my, my parents, and I credit a lot um, of who I am from them, and you do the same thing, and that's just something I really appreciate about you. Tell me about that. Yeah, and, you know, everyone, like I said, I've, as I've progressed on to college and pro, I've met a lot of people that may have not had a father and or a mother in their life, so I'm always sympathetic to those situations, and I know how fortunate I was to have both parents in the household there for me on a daily basis and raising me together, which, you know, again, back to what we just said before, it wasn't like I had that choice, but I was fortunate enough to have it. So I wanted to make the most of those opportunities and being able to learn whatever I could from both of them because they both have different styles. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely thankful to have always had my mom's voice in my ear one way and my dad's voice in my ear another way. And I felt like they really just worked together to, you know, help encourage me, not tear me down, keep me on a straight path, tell me what might be right, what might be wrong, but let me make my own decisions and learn from them. Um, support me through the tough times The you know, hey, I had a bad game, you know, tossed us a game, dropped the pass, missed a free throw, you know, hit a batter, struck out every time, but whatever it was they're always there to support that and then on the flip side whenever i had a great game shot the lights out scored touchdowns hit a home run they were there to kind of let me know hey that was nice you know good job the hard work's paying off but there's more to do that's just one time so i was like they did a good job to collectively keep me level-headed and even keeled throughout my earlier years and that definitely helped going on and having just more composure especially when i was off on my own in college and professional yeah well and i echo you and just feeling very blessed to have that in my life too. Uh, two parents that, that that were really good to me that taught me some of the ways. And, you know, I, I worked with your dad and I coached football with him and uh, coached under him for a, a, about three or four years. And just the, you know, I think back to the impact that, that coaches have. And, you know, you might not have the most stable home life. You might not have the best role models at home, but, you know, when you can latch on to something like football, and it, granted, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be, you know, you can find your role models out there. Um, and so it's just been great to have, you know, people in our lives that not are only a role model for us, but also remote role models for many. Um, and coaching with your dad, I, I know that that was something that was very important to him, um, that he was going to treat these teammates like like his kids, you know, and I, I, I do that very much the same. It's kind of like I don't know any other way. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, when I call my kids, they're my kids, you know. So, yeah. hey, the other thing that I was going to bring up about you is that, you know, also, you know, people obviously are, oh, great, you played in the NFL. Oh, you must be very talented. You, you know, got the equipment or whatever it is. But when I think about you, I, I, I don't think that. What I think is, you know, through the conversations that we've had in the past and just, you know, knowing a little bit about you, 
Uh, Jaron Mashford, you're a hard worker. I always hear, um, and the thought that comes into my head is just uh, maximum effort, a hard work to really see what you're made of. Um, and, and when I think about potential, I love having you talk about it because, yeah, sure, you got a great frame. Yeah, sure, you might have some skills. But, you know, when I hear you talk, I hear you talk a lot about, like, I worked really hard at it. Um, and that, I think, is what separated you from a lot of people that maybe had this, that same potential. You worked really hard at it. And you might know your true potential, and that's that's something to, that to be reckoned with. Yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different topics I'd like to get into off of that. But I guess the first one was, you know, there was a lot of attention or conversations around me and just saying, you know, oh, you are what you are just because you're big and not everyone else is that big. And I'm aware of that. Not every person is 6'6 six, six in high school. I like, most definitely unique. am not, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of my 5'8", you know, baby. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's one, that's one piece of it. And I always knew like, okay, well, I wasn't always this quick or this fast or this strong, but you don't see all the times I'm working out with my class, with my team or by myself on my own with nobody else. I and mean, there were a lot of times where, yes, my dad had a piece of the gym so I could get in, but it wasn't like he made me do that. He only took me because I asked and he only helped me on things that I asked him for. Other than that, I would go in there and push myself as hard as I could and keep pushing myself to ultimately get better and put in those daily deposits of hard work and consistent effort and just know that, Hey, over time this will pay off because your body doesn't just make a change. I mean, yes, you go through puberty and can grow in a summer five to six inches, which I didn't do. I always subtly grew. It seemed like when everyone else started to grow, I grow a little bit more. And yes, I understood I was, you know, one of the taller kids, but to be, you know, a division one starting athlete, you don't just show up and become that. So it was always something that I put in hard work for and, was always real passionate about and that was again you know something my parents both taught me but especially my dad you know if your name is on something like it's on the back of your jersey or a piece of homework or a test it should be your best effort and the best representation of you so I always wanted to give my best effort whether people were watching or not whether it was for a grade or not because I knew that at some point the effort I'm giving now is going to pay off later so uh you know I always put forth that effort and it just doesn't make sense to me to do something that doesn't have your best effort right. or it will show. Yeah, and, and, and really to understand what your potential is or what you can get out of a certain situation, you have to go into it with your best effort. And the other thing that you mentioned just now and then also I, I, you, I read it in your book is, is doing, you know, the hard stuff when no one's looking. And, uh, you know, that's when the real work happens is, you know, when, when people are watching and, and you want to work really hard, it's like, but what happens when, when behind the scenes, you know, it's, it's, it's doing, doing it even when no one's looking and doing it right, even when no one's looking. Um, that's a huge message, message to take away. I got a few funny stories about that. I mean, just trying to get, get time when, you know, people aren't looking. And I feel like a lot of people, especially right now, are kind of, under certain circumstances of, oh, hey, well, my coach said I'll get back to you next month or things will open up at this time. But the reality is that now, more than ever, there's so many resources available to be doing something, to be working on something. And I know in high school one time, although I don't condone this, I took my dad's keys because he wasn't home and went into the school. Not a good move because I set <laughs> off the alarm and caused a whole situation there. But that was, you know, just an effort that I was taking upon myself to go go get something. Now, if YouTube was even a thing then, which I'd hate dating myself like that, but 
it wasn't available. So I couldn't just access easy trainings from certain, you know, different people and get good help or, you know, do things like that on then going into college, we didn't have workouts on Saturdays, but myself along with a couple other guys said, let's have, you know, or at least ask for open gym availability on Saturday to come in and get some extra work in because not only am I trying to better myself as an athlete, I want to be a better part of the team and be a better teammate for the others here. I want to be a better part of this program. I want to make a mark for Kansas state. I want to try to upset Oklahoma and I want to try to get on and achieve my NFL dream. And I don't want to sit around on Saturday when I know I could go put some work in. So that was something that we ended up, you know, pushing for and getting ultimately because we took that initiative and showed that effort to want to go put in more work behind the scenes. Well, I think that's a lot of times what, what sets you apart and others apart um, from the rest, you know, as I've, I've been coaching um, in my career for at least 14 years and, and I've seen people with big frames, great skill, just like you, but it's that work piece. It's that, that long-term vision, right? I can see that dream and I know what it's going to take to get there. And I got to do this one thing first, and then I got to go do that next thing first, right? Um, and so just having that vision, but then also just having that work of I have to do this in order to get where I'm going. Um, and it's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. And then, so I'm just going to put one foot forward. So uh, in your book, you have you have these kind of you, you kind of the first chapter lays it out. I mean, I would encourage people to go go read this book and because um, there's a lot of great takeaways from this. Three P's you talk about in your book: passion, a plan, and perseverance. So uh, talk to me a little bit about passion because I'm a huge passion guy too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you work with people that are really passionate about what it is that they do, and it could be anything, you know. I'm really passionate about cooking chicken wings, you know, I'm not an expert, but I am, when I go to cook some chicken wings, I hope you feel that I was really concerned or passionate about this meal. I always feel like, you know, passion is something that everybody has passion for something. And some people take different amounts of time to figure out what it is that they really are passionate about. And sometimes you might have to step into something new that you didn't plan for. Um, but when you find what it is that you're passionate about, I feel like things come a little easier. It's a little easier to put in that hard work behind the scenes when you feel so strongly about a certain topic, subject, activity, whatever. A plan going forward into that, you know, a lot of people have passion. A lot of people want to do things, but not a lot of people have a plan to capitalize on that or get wherever it is that they want to go or get out of, get what they want out of their passion, you know, and really put it into put it into action. You know, you hear a lot of people that want to start a podcast, but they, you know, don't want to put forth the effort or put a plan down to go figure out how they're going to start that podcast, but yet they're really passionate about it. And then that passion never comes out for them. And then, you know, it can lead to frustration or looking back and having regret or anything like that. So making sure you have a plan to capitalize on that passion. Sometimes that, you know, you need some help and it's not easy to ask for help. Uh, but sometimes having an external source of someone that's just removed from the situation, they're not, tied to anything they can really help you dial in that plan there's a lot of different people out there with a lot of different job titles that are really good at helping people dial in a plan when they were working with somebody that's super passionate about what they want to do with that plan the last thing is despite having endless amounts of passion and the perfect plan something will go wrong it's inevitable something will come up that is totally out of your control like a pandemic i mean you got to have a level of perseverance so 
you know, being in the world of an entrepreneur and starting my own business and running something through something like this, you know, it's taking a lot of perseverance. But to me, it doesn't really feel like anything all that crazy because I've dealt with a lot of things that I have felt were a lot crazier in my life because I've had to demonstrate working through and having perseverance through a very detailed and meticulous plan that even in the world of the NFL, like, hey, we put together this awesome off-season workout program that goes into this uh, break period, right into the training camp, right into preseason games, right into these season games. And this is how this day is going to work starting at 8.01. This meeting goes to 8.03. Then at 8.04, this happens. I mean, it's to the T all throughout the whole year. And then one of those times we had a lockout. And all of a sudden that whole plan just went on the shelf for an unknown amount of time whenever, you know, the players and the leagues come to an agreement. But in the meantime, I didn't just sit there and wait for someone to tell me what to do. I went and did the workouts that I was originally planned to do and stuck with the plan as best I could on my own time under my own free will. So that's, you know, one example of how I felt like I've had to go through being in something I was really passionate about football, having a plan from, you know, NFL GMs, owners, coaches, myself, trainers, you know, the athletic trainers, the strength trainers, the nutritionists, the, everybody has this plan for this awesome season for you to go win a Super Bowl and then just poof gone well you got to have some perseverance to work through that so yeah uh I, I really liked that part and that was actually something that i had the book pretty much written and after reading through it and talking to it talking about it with my dad i was like i really don't feel like people are going to understand all of these chapters that i wrote about if they don't get this so right. i decided to make an introduction and throw those in the introduction right well, so I felt like I could lead into it a little bit better. And, you know, I, I, I think about my journey into uh, starting this podcast and you talk about, like you know, like the, the mistakes that you're going to make and, and the plan that you do have and that's going to change. And I knew that I love talking about that, about topics that people can take away and work on. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, yeah, you know, what are some of the things that I, I really, you know, I always seem to circle back to. You know, courage, attitude, perspective, truth, uniqueness, recognition, empathy. Those are things I'm always circling back to. And so, boom, there you go, capture. And so um, those were were pretty easy for me to define, and those are always going to be things I come back to. And I see that with your three Ps, you know, and and how they kind of work together and and they work off of it. And so I want to read you something from, from your book. Here we go. Okay. This is about passion, right? Because I think that's what gets you through the plan. Right. And I, I think that's what reminds you uh, to, to try it, pick yourself up and try it again when you fail. You know, so that, totally. uh, that uh, the, so I think this passion piece is really important. Here you go. This is from your book. Chapter one. Passion is something that awakens you deep down and excites you to the very core, something that almost feels a part of you. A passion doesn't necessarily define you, but when you find something you're deeply passionate about, it can almost feel that way. And to me, like that right there, exactly, it's deep down to the core, number one. And then also, it's something that awakens you. It energizes you. It excites you. Um, and that's what pushes you through sometimes a plan that isn't something that everybody loves to do. Nobody loves to go to practice everybody every day. Nobody loves to go to work every day, right? Or have to do the things that aren't the shiny things that get you those pat on the backs. But you got to have that passion about what you're doing, what your mission is, that'll get you through that plan. And you will fail, um, but that passion is going to be what reminds you at the end. But, you know, right there, that's that's a great message from your book. Yeah, I de- obviously, I like that piece right there. Um, 
you know, and I didn't bring things full circle, which you did a great job of, of, of the three P's. And, you know, I started with passion then went to plan then went to perseverance, but again, getting through the plan, executing upon the plan and bouncing back from all those low moments and having to demonstrate perseverance. You can only do those when you have that deep down burning passion for something. Cause you're right. It is really hard. I mean, the injuries I sustained in sports in high school, college and pro, if I wasn't deeply passionate about being the best athlete and football player, I could, it would have been tough to bounce back. It was easy. It would have been real easy to hang things up, to make excuses, complaints, um, place blame, you know, and just be down and be negative. But I also find it maybe not equally uh, as easy, but, you know, maybe just slightly more difficult to just be positive, go back to that plan and push through those low moments and those dark moments and just bounce back and build small momentum day by day, week by week, month by month and compile that. And then once you start compiling those things, which that was another, that's probably my favorite chapter in the book. When you start compiling the momentum, uh, things tend to come a lot easier and get you back on track, but it's not, it's not easy. Uh, but that deep down burning passion really helps to fuel you through those times. Well, and something that you mentioned earlier in this conversation is focusing on what you can control. And I've said that in coaching. I've said that in teaching. I've said that, uh, you know, in any advice that I've given my friends or my students or my players, it's like, let's focus on what we can control and not worry too much on what we can't control. Talk about that a little bit, focusing on what you can control, because that fits right in with what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, and that was something that, again, I could circle back to high school to get the best example for that. But I used to be really concerned with my homework and projects and things that were school related. And it became things that would impact me and my attention in football meetings or whatever my meeting was for the sport at that time of year. And then the practice for it or the workout and not separating my mindset from this to that. And I was over there worried about these projects and homework while I'm already signed up and committed to these two hours here at football practice. So why are you worried about that right now when you can't do anything about that right now? You're going to do something about it afterwards, but there's no need to worry about it right then. So learning that, and it really took all four years of high school to truly learn how to separate the two. Learning that then really helped me be a better student athlete in college on my own of separating this is school time, this is study time, this is for this, this is what I'm working on, this plan and this thing that I'm passionate about. And then boom, switch over to this. Now I'm in this, working on this, and I'm really focused and dedicated and driven to this passion over here and executing this plan over here. So yeah, something I learned in high school, it just really helped me out. My dad was a big part of that because he knew what I was dealing with at home and would see me you know, at home and at practice and see, okay, something's on your mind. Like you got to let go of what you can't control in this moment. Um, and now, you know, things are a little bigger on, Hey, is the government saying you can't go work out or, you know, you can't go to this thing that you want to do that you feel like is just vital. You know, well, what, what can we do? You know, there's a lot of things that can still be done. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to work with? And just understand that this is just what it is right now. And you can't control any other circumstances. So don't, continue to bog yourself down with those things 
because you're only neglecting yourself and what you can improve upon in that moment. Yeah, and this is why I love talking to you because, um, you know, and having you come in and talk to my leadership kids and our athletes because they hear it from us a lot, but then hearing it from you too, it's just, it's echoing some of the important stuff and some of those key pieces that we really do want them to take away. But when you talk about control, uh, here's some things that you can always control. Your attitude. You can choose your attitude at multiple times a day as often as you need to, right? You can control your effort always. You can always say, you know what, I need to give this a little bit more right here, right? And then you can also, like you're talking about, you can also control your attention to detail. I'm at practice right now. This is what I'm doing. Well, you know, or I'm at work right now. I can't necessarily think about what's going on outside of this, um, where I am. And, and it allows you, that attention to detail allows you to live in a moment, which is really important because we got so much going on in our world right now. I mean, we always do with the, you know, with the world of technology, COVID or not, you know, we got so many different things going on. The skill to live in a moment, I think, is becoming more unique. And so that, that attention to detail is really important, I think, to being able to live in a moment and see what's going on right here, right now, and enjoy that, and then also make the most of it. And that's, that's I think, a, a big piece to what's separating, um, you know, really being productive, efficient, is that attention to detail, that ability to focus on what I can control right now in this moment. Uh, yeah, learning to live in the moment has definitely become increasingly tough, especially when you have easy and instant access at all times to all other people in the world based on who you want to follow or look at. I mean, it makes it really tough for people to be locked in in the moment they're in and focus on the relationship they're in at that moment um, or the person they're with in that moment or people, uh, the task that's at hand, the goal that you're working towards. I mean, whatever it is, it's become increasingly challenging. I feel like it's the, the detriment to a lot of people in not getting to where they want and then looking back and feeling like, well, I failed or I've regretted this. I feel like it's just some easy and simple attention to detail and attention to being present in the moment and just making your dedicated effort to work towards wherever it is you're trying to go. Yeah, I love that. Another thing um, that I just want to mention real quick, and you talk about this in your book, and then we'll move on because i got some other questions for you, um, is this idea of fearlessness. And I, and I love that approach because that's kind of what got me over the hump. I've been thinking about doing a podcast forever. I, I heard a message on being fearless, and I said, you know what, darn it, I'm going to do it. Um, and then I started the plan, right? Um, you talk about being a fearless leader in your book. And so talk to me a little bit about fear and some of your messaging around that. Ooh, big subject right there. Um, I know. We probably could do a whole episode on, on just yeah, fear and being I, fearless. Yeah, I, I really like that chapter as well in my book because there were a lot of moments where I felt like oh my gosh like what am I doing what I get myself into why did I sign up for this I'm feeling like a little bit of fear is creeping up inside of me you know I felt a little fearful when I showed up in Beaverton for the first time I felt far more fearful when I showed up at Kansas State for the first time I felt totally you know just out of control when I first arrived in Tampa Bay for my first NFL workout in practice um, you know, there are a lot of times where that came up, but just understanding that I was placing that upon myself, I was creating worry and doubt within myself. I was already defeating myself for other people, you know? So when I started realizing that a lot of that was self-inflicted, a lot of that was my own perception of things, a lot of that was my own worry about how others may perceive me. And none of that was even, even relevant. I mean, I was only, I was only hurting myself. So as soon as I realized, and it, it's not like it, I realized it and it never happened again. 
because it comes up in different ways in different times and it's kind con- of uh, you know looking back and why i love getting on podcasts and talking with people it does makes me go back and reflect on all those moments again welcome, and relearn welcome from to all the those world again yeah welcome to the world of teaching every time i teach something these things things i'm reteaching myself um, and that's yeah. why I love the, the content area and what we get to do and what I get to call my job. It's just like I keep reinforcing not only others, but but, but myself, too. Well, and you and you talked about that in, in getting in the way of your your performance and getting in the way of going where you wanted to go and performing mm-hmm. the way that you wanted to did that fear and that kind of like you said, you put it upon yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about getting over that hump. Yeah. I mean, uh, more specific example would apply, you know, my football playing days, you know, especially at Kansas state, I was very, I was very much a cerebral player and wanted to understand a lot about the game. And, you know, like I mentioned, I played quarterback in high school. So I always learned the offense and keep going to college, just playing tight end. I don't really need to focus on myself. You know, I didn't really need to worry as much about all the other people and commanding the huddle, making sure we you check into the right play. We have the right look. It was a lot less, stress and pressure on that however I was always very worked up in my own head creating this own internal and mental block of am I going to take the right step do I know where I'm going and this is you know speaking of being a freshman and being new to the role and thinking like oh I got to be perfect here what if I drop that pass all these little doubts and little bits of fear I was putting in my head were just making me play slower and I wasn't fast to begin with you know I wasn't comfortable I was a freshman I was 18 people are 20 21 Right. Uh, you know, I wasn't as strong as I was later in my career. So there's a lot of just little bits of fear I was putting in my head on perfection primarily. And realize, and then as I progress through college, I come to realize that isn't even a realistic goal. Nobody's perfect. You're going to get beat. The other kid got recruited for a reason. You know, the kid's starting for Texas. He might win one. Right. You know, hope it's great if you beat him 99 times, but you're going to lose one. Don't dwell on the one. Let's keep pushing forward. And, you know, I started to realize, the more I cut loose, the more I just trusted myself, the more I trusted my training, understanding that I already knew what I know. Just, you know, and I have a lot of these little phrases that keep popping in my head right now of things coaches would tell me of how to cut loose, how to let things rip and how to move forward. When I started implementing those more and more, it was a lot better result for me uh, playing. I also had to go through that same experience when I got to the NFL, which I thought, oh, I already know all this stuff. I'm first team all Big 12. I started 48 or I played in 48 out of 49 games in college. Like, of course, I've got the experience to go step right in and be comfortable. And it was the exact same learning curve all over again, but with just even more pressure, stress and fear of fear of getting cut primarily, which I eventually got over after my rookie year because I'd already been cut twice. I'd already been through that experience. So why am I sitting here dwelling on it again? Right. Okay. The people that love me still going to love me. They don't love me because I play in the NFL. They love me for me. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. kind of realizing that, that, that and it was hard. It, that that yeah. wasn't quick. I'm snapping. I always snap in my classroom when somebody says something I just love. They're going to love you for, for you, not because you play yeah. in the NFL, not because of those other things. But, uh, yeah, so I, absolutely they're going to that's, – that's, that's key right there. Um, yeah. and, and I think one of the biggest things when dealing with fear – is being, uh, you know, emotionally savvy enough to say, I'm, I'm feeling fear right now. And mm-hmm. what, what, what is causing me that fear? And is that self-manifested? And then what can I can do to convince myself that I don't need to be afraid? And it's, it's not necessarily fear, but or is it more of like what's, what's uncertain? Because mm-hmm. we've, every time we do something for the first time, there's a whole bunch of uncertainty. 
Um, that's not necessarily something to be afraid of, um, but it is something that you can say, you know what, I've, I've been in situations like this. Yes, this is the next level, but, you know, I can do this because I've done it before. Same thing with getting a new job. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that, that imposter syndrome. Does anybody know that I'm, I'm the imposter here? No, you got that job for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it might be because they saw the passion in you. It might be that you have a lot to learn, but but they saw potential in you. So it's like get over that fear and, and, and know when it sinks in. Um, be able to, and this is tough and, and, and it takes practice, know when that fear is k- kicking in and know when it's when it's false, right? Mm-hmm. And say, you know what, I am good enough. You know what, I have proven that, that I can do this. And Or you know what, I'm going to work so damn hard that I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to be good at it. Um, and so those are those are some huge things. Yeah. All right. I got I got I got an important question, and, and, and this is kind of why I um, I really it's really heavy on my mind right now because of coaching for this many years, and you know I've stepped away from coaching for a little bit, but you know once a coach always a coach that kind of deal. But uh, right now I'm thinking uh, a lot about our athletes. Um, you know, because you know at the collegiate level, all the way down through high school, all the way down through youth. Um, kids are being asked to stop and put on pause, and we've we've in a lot of cases shut down sport. Um, and I and the reason I call it sport too, you got to be careful too, because right now we can go out and play. There's some stuff we can do. There's some recreation we can do. We can, we can play game, um, but sport, my sport, your sport. There's a huge connection to life, right? It's because you, the sacrifice that you put into sport, the amount of time the the love and the passion that you put into that sport so um i i guess i would ask because you've been through you know every step and and, and played through all levels what advice do you have for high school kids for kids that that are being asked to you know to sit this out for a little bit and not be playing the sport that they absolutely love what would you tell them right now you know again we've we've already touched on my best advice for that Although this is something that people want to keep reiterating that has never happened before, this is unknown, it's uncertain. To me, it's very much known. It's not new, especially in the world of athletics. And I always feel like, again, people need to learn to focus on what they can focus on and work on what they can work on and understand that, yeah, maybe I'm not doing it with my team at the same gym or at the same location with the same people, but there is still work that you can do to improve yourself and become better for when things do come back so that you are ready to go because a human body doesn't just flip the switch tomorrow and say, Oh, okay. Now I'm ready to play a game. You're not ready to play a game. If you haven't been working out and training and you can do that by yourself, it's not as easy. You know, you don't have someone watching you. You don't have someone pushing you. You don't have peers around you to compete with, but there's a lot you can still get done in this time. Uh, The other thing why I say it's not new is because there's a lot of people that I wanted to play my sport in high school, but I had to have a knee surgery. So I had to sit out. The season went on without me. And I thought that there was no way that's possible because I'm the best. I thought, I thought I was one of the best players. And I just had to sit there for an unknown amount of time until my knee would feel better, stop swelling, stop hurting, and I could actually play. But I didn't know when that would be. That was, to me, just as dark and unfriendly as this time right now. So I don't really see any difference between those that time and again that could go with any of my injuries i mean the one i had at the end of college having a stress fracture surgery and having to take the time from the end of my senior year all the way around to the start of the nfl combine when i thought would be the marquee moment to showcase myself and get drafted as high as possible 
I was on crutches and in a boot. The first day I was back walking on my own two feet was the first day of the combine. So instead of going in there to impress people and show why you should pick me instead of Rob Gronkowski or pick me instead of Jimmy Graham, I'm sitting there just standing against the wall looking stupid. And that was another moment of like, I didn't know when the rehab would be over. I didn't know when things would be back to normal for me. But, you know, when you're sitting here as athletes talking about when do I get to play the sport I like to play? When do things get back to normal for me? Well, sometimes for people, they're not normal. And that has nothing to do with this pandemic. Injuries come up in sports all the time. People got to sit out. So I think people are getting a little dose of what those other people might feel like when they get injured or get hurt and have an unknown time frame of when they'll be back, if ever they'll be back. So, uh, again, you got to focus on what you can focus on control what you can control and right now a lot of people aren't doing that they're really focused on why can't we play why can't we get back in here why can't we do this i don't see this i don't see why we got to wear a mask out stop worrying about that all that energy should be spent on improving your body and getting it ready for your sport there are skills you can practice for your sport and there's ways you can improve athletically athletically and there's ways you can decrease your injury risk right now every day all day long what are you doing? And what people are doing right now is going to show up when sports come back for people here in Oregon. What you're doing now is definitely going to show up. You're going to see, you're going to see injuries, which I hate to say that because there's people doing nothing. You're going to see people that are out of shape. You're going to see people lose battles that they shouldn't lose because they haven't been conditioned. They haven't been training. They've been letting things just sit by the wayside. And again, with so much available on YouTube from very, you know, credible people, why aren't you logging in? I mean, it's free content available left and right to just soak up. And I feel like this is actually a really good and big learning opportunity for people because a lot of things have been stripped from them. Uh, and you're just going to see who's taking advantage of it and who's not. And I know there's different people out there with different support systems at home, like we've already discussed. Uh, there's people getting pushed more. There's people with no direction at all or people, you know, with nobody in the household to really look up to or learn from. And that's, that's even tougher. But again, there's, there are people out there that want to help others like myself, but I can't, I don't know who needs to reach out to me until they do. And I always try to welcome myself to any conversation or way I can help, especially with the young athletes, especially during this time. And I've already done that with people who, you know, what's funny to me is I've done it with nobody from here because not one person said anything from here. And this is one place where sports are not happening this year for sure. Uh, but I've helped people in Kansas, Missouri, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina during this time. And I'm more than willing to do it with whoever, like I said, but why is I, nobody yeah. from here is even bothered. So, you know, I'm, on one hand, uh, I'm very sympathetic to the athlete right now and realizing that they're, especially for the seniors, you know, especially for people that this is your last opportunity to get recruited, play that season with your friends, try to get a state, state title, um, make all league, whatever your goals were. I, that I am sympathetic to, but I also know that there are a lot of people that had those same goals, but got hurt or had those same goals, but had to move or, you know, situations come up all the time for unknown lengths of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people are just better at bouncing back from them, dealing with them, working through them. And I want to be there to help people but I don't want people to sit around yeah. just soaking feel sorry for themselves. Well, and I, I love how you can kind of compare it. Yes, we're going through a, a pandemic right now, but that's not been the first time that somebody's been, you know, required to sideline, right? And so mm-hmm. I think, yes, yeah, some, some people are being asked not to play their sport right now, but no one's asking you to pause your passion, right? Mm-hmm. So then the question is, how do I take my passion for this sport that I love and put it to work? Well, maybe it's training by yourself. Maybe it's investigating 
through YouTube and, and how you can get ready, right? And, and mm-hmm. so then also think about this. Uh, when you look back on this time, when you're older, right? I'm a little bit older. I think about the glory days all the time. But I want to look back and say, how did I handle my time spent in that pandemic? How did I handle that? You know, so let your passion guide you right now and go find a way to put that passion to work that is allowed, that that that, that you can control, right? And so, um, you know, and I, all, what I'm hearing a little bit about in your message is it's kind of a slogan that, that's kind of uh, been adopted by, by Apex, which is the gym that you've created, is champion your body. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Why is that, you know, wh- where does that come from? Um, championing your body. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, pretty simple it can be complex for people um but really when you break it down it's your body you know so how what are you going to do to champion it you know i've as i've gotten older and gone through those injuries and surgeries i've gone through and then dealt with the repercussions of not training at that same level not eating with the same discipline um not focusing on things that i used to pay attention to every day realizing oh this is how my knees could feel if i don't do that this is how my ankle could feel this is how my back could feel this is how my shoulders could feel this is how my neck could feel this is how my whole body could feel and i'm not even 30 all right come on now you know i need to (laughs) appreciate the one thing i've been given that isn't going anywhere and i need to take strides to improve it or at least maintain it every single day and become a champion of it so so it's been like i said it's something that i've personally battled with and dealt with and improved to a top tier level at one point and then something I let crumble mostly for, and it only took a year and a half when it took 25 years to build up. So that is always really frustrating to look back at, but again, great learning moment to realize that, Hey, this is what happens when you don't take those steps. And I've wanted to be there for all those people that want to take those steps because there are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people that just need one tool to unlock the next step. There's one kid that may get their first injury as a sophomore in high school like I did and not know am I going to be all right you know where is somewhere I can go to hear that I will be all right and get what I need to actually be all right this is the place so uh whether you're just an adult that wants to ski and realize hey I don't know if I can ski back-to-back days anymore I don't know if I can even ski a full day I don't know if I can go do a black diamond you know (laughs) because my knee is gonna bug me I don't want those type of limitations I want people to be able to go do as much of what it is that they want to do for as long as they want to do it. And whatever those goals are, I'm here to help you take that step. So it's champion your body, not champion your body the way Jaron did or champion your body the way LeBron James did. It's your body. Where do you want to go? Let's be realistic with it. Let's get there. Let's take a step. Let's get a plan. Let's go. Yeah. And then the other part is just like, you know, celebrating that. Um, mm-hmm. celebrating, you know, what your abilities are, celebrating what, what you're capable of doing, celebrating um, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going. Is mm-hmm. I, I, I see just a lot of celebration in, in, in that. Get up, get moving, find a way, and mm-hmm. use that passion and, and uh, create that create that love um, that maybe you're losing right now, maybe that you've lost, and just find that way to re-energize it. And so I appreciate that message that you have. And that wasn't easy either. I mean, I know I kind of just say it nonchalantly, but it was really hard. You know, I was being done playing football. I'd only ever worked out to come back the next season bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic, you know, less injury prone, you know, one one step better to be a bigger piece of a team and hopefully carry my team to a championship. Like, that's all I was working out for. And then 
when you go from working out to win a Super Bowl to working out for nothing, it's like, what am I doing? Right. So that really, that really led to my downfall. I'd say when I was done is I just didn't quite realize that this is what everybody else is doing, just right. working out to be healthy, enjoy themselves and go do these other activities pain-free, but you've got to work out to do those things that you want to do. And, you know, I give the skiing example because that was a real example for me of, yeah, I used to go kill the mountain for a week straight and ski wherever. And then I went back to back days and my knees were killing me. And I realized, Oh, you're not doing the same things you used to do. So what do you expect? So, uh, you know, something that was really held true for me and realizing that, Hey, this is, it's not easy, but when you work with other people that are passionate about it, that have a plan for you and are willing to persevere with you through these moments, not that hard. Right. Yeah. Find a way uh, to, mm -hmm. to have that, that sense of community, even if you have to be a part in that. I'm, I'm working every day to do that. You know, I, even if I can't be with my friends or family or whatever it is, oh man, I've talked to them probably more than ever through text message, through FaceTime, through, you know, I'm, I'm on Zoom with you right now. I, I love yeah. those times that I have together, you know, so I'm being yeah. a champion of, of communication right now and it's in a different form than I'm used to. But you know what? Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's better because I've put the right effort in the right direction, um, and that's a that's an important piece. So, hey, Jaron. So uh, at the end of every show, um, the R in capture um, stands for recognition. Um, I always ask people at the end of my shows who or what in your life is worthy of some recognition, and then I give you a give you a chance to uh, give them a shout out. Uh, and uh, so I'll, I'll pose the question to you, Jaron. Who in your life or what in your life is worthy? of some recognition you know i might have to say my fiance is worthy of some recognition we had a <clears throat> wedding scheduled for may 2nd <laughs> which obviously we had to cancel um and we postponed it to september 26th and she'd put in nearly two years of work of you know, creating everything herself. I mean, from down to making save the dates, wedding invitations, um, planning every little detail. Uh, for those that know my dad, like you, you think you met somebody that's <laughs> anal about a process, a plan. A plan. <laughs> Wait till you meet her. Awesome. <laughs> so I felt like, you know, just seeing plans crumble and uh, not work out the way you want them to, especially when you had such high hopes for things. Um, feel like she did a really good job of bouncing back to that and someone should be recognized yeah i'm gonna give you my my big three for for wedding i had a pretty good wedding i feel but here's my big three and and you don't have to take it but um i'll just throw it out there be the first to eat okay uh because while you're eating everyone else is in line or getting their food or whatever it is um and that's time for you to just kind of you and your wife your new wife to sit back and be like look at all these people they're here for us you know, so eat first, okay? Um, the other one is do the stuff that you want to do, right? You know, it's like I we, we got to the point of cutting the cake. We're like, why are we cutting the cake? This is not important to either of us. You know, so like uh, we could have skipped the whole cutting of the cake, but if that's important to you, do it. Um, so do the yep. little things that you think are important, but it's all about you too, okay? And then here's the other one that people don't think about is that um, you uh, find somebody to clean up. Don't have your wedding party and your family clean up afterwards. We here's a here's a great tip. Uh, we hired the local 
uh, girls basketball team. We paid them as a fundraiser. We we paid them some money. They did it as a fundraiser. And an hour the next day, they got everything cleaned up and dialed up, and and they got some money for their program. So don't Same make your off. yeah don't make your party or your 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 uh, your groomsmen and your bridesmaids clean up. Nobody wants to do that at the end of the night. They want to yeah. celebrate and they want to go out with you guys and they want to they just want to be happy and living on the moment with you. Oh, but time out, everybody. It's 11 o'clock. Clean. Um, so have somebody else clean up. It's worth the money. But, oh, yeah. But I, I encourage you. I remember get, that. I, I remember that detail. You did. And I got uh, – that's a great reminder. So thank yeah. you for bringing that back yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, eat first. Uh, do the little things you like and then get somebody else. And if you can, like, fundraise for, for a local sports team or something. Um, I like that. So my moment of gratitude real quick, uh, my moment of recognition, um, I went and helped my dad. Uh, this morning, move pipe. Um, he has a filbert orchard, and he he moves pipe. And so I asked him what what he's doing. He's like, oh, I got to move pipe this morning. I'm like, I'll come out and help you. Um, and then my my nephews and niece were there, and uh, seeing my my dad work with his grandkids and they they got their own little filbert orchard and you know it's not a huge amount of land but you know they they got their little orchard going and so watching my dad um work with his grandkids on on moving pipe and and teaching them how to do it and and uh, I just sat back and I was just like this is awesome this is awesome they're learning how to work they're they're getting these skills they're working with papa you know, and it's just like I, I'm so proud that I get to see those memories happening for them. So uh, th- that's to like you, Dad. That. Uh, my moment of recognition goes out to you. Jaron, uh, thank you so much. Hey, how can people uh, get a hold of you, follow you, uh, keep in track with you? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My handle is my name, Jaron Mastrude. Uh, you can find Apex at ApexPWR on any of those platforms as well. Probably the best way to get a hold of me there. All right. Um, well, and listeners, uh, we want to thank Jaron Master for joining us uh, on this episode of Capture It, uh, really bringing some light, you know, talking about some very key things that hopefully we can take away. I like it. Yeah. Keep bringing that same good message. I, li- I like the message you're putting out there and the people you've had so far. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, listeners, until next time, uh, feel free to follow us on our uh, Instagram handle, which is captureit.joe. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed or hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're using, uh, go ahead and do that, um, and we'll, we'll catch you around the corner. And always be working in time to capture it.